Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Pasco. And we are going to uh, play a game of, I don't know what to call it. We're going to ask a bunch of would you questions here uh, in the podcast. And we're going to throw some things around. So we got four uh, would you do this questions that, that we thought up here before we, we hit the record button. Uh, so let's start with the big one. Uh, Odell Beckham. Mary Kay, you've been on the Odell Beckham beat since last year yeah uh it, it picked up steam here this off season um with the giants maybe thinking about a rebuild maybe not who knows um jay glazer saying that maybe the giants would be open to trading him so the first question is going to be about odell beckham w- would you trade uh for odell mary Kay, i know your answer <laughs> but we're gonna have you say it here yeah i think everybody knows my answer to this i've been uh, writing this again since last year uh I do think that they need a big-time receiver like that that can really put you over the top and and put Baker Mayfield over the top and just give him that reliable guy that can go up and and catch touchdown passes uh, on any given play. And I think he would pair very nicely with Jarvis Landry. I think it would take some heat off Jarvis, bring the best out in Jarvis. Now, of course, you have to realize that when you bring Odell Beckham Jr. onto the team that you're bringing a very strong personality and... Uh, you know, someone that you're going to have to deal with. But Adam Henry, his former LSU receivers coach and his former Giants receivers coach, I think he could handle him. I think he could kind of keep him in check. Uh, So I wouldn't worry too much about that. I would go ahead and do it. Not only would I do it, I would give up the number 17 this year and more. I don't know if I'd go all the way to also the number one next year, but I would give up something else very significant. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I would I would give up the number seventeen pick for a guy like Odell Beckham, and obviously you would have to give up more. And I'm sure the Giants would say, "Hey, give us next year's number one too." And I'm with you on that. I would probably draw the line there. I don't think you're going to find a lot of teams that would be willing to give up two first round picks uh, for Odell. So I think you'd be negotiating with yourself if you started to throw that in there. But you know, look, if you're trying to win and you're trying to win now, these are the sorts of moves. That you can make, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Rams traded a first-round pick to get Brandon Cooks. Yep, and Odell yeah. Beckham is much better than than Brandon Cooks. Right. So, um, you know, if you think you can handle that personality and, and you think he makes your offense better, I, I really think it's it's a trade that you would have to consider if the Giants even want to do it. And the Giants are going to be looking for if they are going into rebuild mode, they would want to get at least a first-round pick back. I think the Browns definitely would should look into that. I think. 
they're in a position now where they may they may have to look at the number one next year too because they don't have like if they had done this if they had done it tried to do a deal like this last year or the year before when they're just swimming in, in assets and draft picks it's a different deal but they would be competing against a lot of teams that have better draft picks that have more higher first round potential than the Browns do so obviously the number 17 I think I don't think the Giants are going to listen if you're the Browns and you're not offering a very high draft pick next year too and maybe throwing in somebody maybe Antonio Callaway <laughs> um, you know he's a young receiver He's on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that, that can grow with whoever they get to follow Eli Manning. Um, that could sweeten the pot. But I think, yeah, you definitely listen to it. You hide your field goal kicking nets, and <laughs> and <laughs> you, you make room for a very large personality in the locker room. Uh, obviously, Baker gets along with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, it's something that John Dorsey's got to look at. You know, um, there is talk that the Patriots will trade for Odell Beckham Jr., that they're high on the list right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there are other teams that will be interested. Uh, but there has been an Odell vibe with this team going back to last year. He worked out in the offseason with the Browns <laughs> at USC, uh, because in part because he's good friends, obviously, with Jarvis. Those two guys have kept in touch. I asked Jarvis point blank last year during training camp, do you think he would want to play here? And he's, he basically said, yes, I think he would. And then we have Baker Mayfield dining with him and Von Miller out in L.A. And again, I asked him about that at the uh, at the sports awards, and he said, "No, we really weren't talking business, but sure, you know, I, I wouldn't mind it if they showed up on the doorstep." So uh, there's been just sort of like, for whatever reason, Odell and the Browns kind of vibe going on, and maybe it, maybe it is because of Baker Mayfield being here now. I mean, I think now that you have Baker Mayfield, you can attract a guy like that. You know, I mean, in the past, it would have been a pipe dream. Now, I actually think it's a, a possibility. Yeah, you know, they've got to make some judgment. You know, again, you've got to make sure you can handle all those personalities in mm-hmm. the locker room. You've got a first-year head coach, a guy that's never done this before. Can right. he handle all of those personalities or, or trust his assistants like Adam Henry um, to, to be able to do that for him? So you'd be asking a lot of him um, in that situation. Uh, and, and then, you know, you got to look at what else is out there. Is is there a better, not a better option, but, you know, is, is it just better to draft a guy? Maybe there's a guy you like at number 17 you think can come in and have a, an instant impact. Or maybe you think it's safer to go after somebody in free agency like Tyrell Williams or somebody like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Browns have to at least kick the tires if Odell Beckham really does become available. They have to, they owe it to themselves and, and this franchise and what they want to do this year to at least kick the tires and see what it would take. Now, Dave Gettleman has said, the Giants GM has said that he has no plans of trading him, but we've heard that before. The other thing to note is that Dave Gettleman and John Dorsey are good friends. Uh, Last year at the owners' meetings, they got together just to have breakfast or coffee or something like that. So they're friends, and even though they might not discuss, you know, draft pick compensation or any of those things, Odell's name will come up (laughs) somehow, some way, when those guys get on the phone one of these days. And, you know, you can't be scared. Browns can't be scared to make, to make big, bold moves like this. This is this is what winning looks like in the NFL. It's not about hoarding draft picks anymore. It's not about adding a bunch of young players. You're, you're trying to win. All right, let's keep the trade talk moving, and let's move on to our second question. Uh, this one comes in the wake of Kareem Hunt signing with the Browns, and it has to do with Duke Johnson, who has sort of become the odd man out if you look at that full receiving room when Kareem Hunt returns. So uh, w- the question here is, would you trade Duke Johnson? 
You know, right now, I don't think I would trade Duke Johnson because uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, he's not costing you very much money right now at all. His, his base salary this year, I think, is $1.8 million or something like that. Uh, second of all, uh, I really think he's very valuable in the passing game and can be even more valuable if they would use him more the, in the passing game like they've done before. So I would use him more in the slot. I would I would split him out wide more. Uh, I would use him a lot as a receiver, especially in the event in the event that you do have Nick Chubb and at some point Kareem Hunt. You're not you're going to have too crowded of a backfield. They barely use Duke Johnson as a running back, anyways. Uh, but I think as a receiver, he's valuable as long as they're going to use him. If they don't use him, then let him go somewhere else where he can showcase his skills. His touches went down from 156 in 2017 to like 80 last yeah, year. That was bad. So, you know, if, if he's just going to be languishing or used, like he said, sometimes as, as a blocker, you know, that's not worth it if you can get a, a nice amount back for him. Uh, but if you think that you're going to use him, maybe Todd Munkin will really like what he sees and decide he wants to use him. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm a Duke Johnson truther. I really like Duke Johnson as a player. I think he's really valuable. I, I think he's really good. I don't think he's a guy you hand the ball off to 25, 30 times a game. I mean, you don't do that with anybody anymore. But I think Duke Johnson is a really valuable piece on offense. And like you said, I mean, this is a guy that loves playing wide receiver anyway. I mean, we saw when, when you watch practice or training camp, there were times last year when he would you know, leave mm-hmm. the leave the running back drills to, to run off and work with the receivers. Yep. And when Freddie was the running backs coach, mm-hmm. you know, come on back. You got to do one more rep or something like that. So this right. is a guy that likes to play wide receiver, likes to work with the wide receiving group. So that's always an option. I don't really know what you could fetch for Duke Johnson if you did trade him anyway. So is it better to just keep him and try and work things out as to how you're going to use him or get like a fourth round pick? So I, I think that's sort of what you have to weigh as well. But, I, you know, I'm a believer in Duke Johnson. I think he can still help you win football games. He's one of the few guys on this team that has consistently scored touchdowns after not doing it early in his career, actually. Right. Uh, but the last two years has been able to get into the end zone for this team. Um, I, I, I'm hanging on to the guy and seeing what I can do, even when Kareem Hunt's back on the field. We've been saying a lot of the same things over the last couple of years about how he can do this and he can do that, and he's a weapon, and, and yet here we are, you know, Two years after, two seasons after his his biggest season last year, I think he had three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They were all receiving, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, uh, after leading the team in touchdowns in twenty seventeen, so I think his value depends on Kareem Hunt's suspension, mm-hmm. right? And right. I think at this point, there's so many unknowns that you have to keep him. Uh, maybe, maybe Mongan and Kitchens look at Hilliard and think, well, we can have him do a lot of the things uh, out of the backfield that, that we have Duke do. But that might be a stretch. Um, but I think at this point, you, you hold on to him, and you're kind of in a waiting game. I mean, you're going to be crowded at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that, that Chubb and, and uh, Hunt are going to be people who they're – not, they're not backs. you got to give them the ball. You can't really limit a lot of the things they do because they need the ball to be effective. Um, so what, where does Duke fit into that? You know, if he's a slot receiver – People said that about him last year, and, and again, his touches were way down. Mm-hmm. So I, I think at this point you keep him just because of all the unknowns. What do you guys think that they could realistically get for Duke Johnson in a trade? <laughs> I, wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect much. Um, he's not going somewhere to be a starter, right? Yeah, you know, he's a running back. 
I, I mean, look, the Browns have had him on their roster since 2015 and don't know how to use him. So mm-hmm. how do other teams view him? It's not like he's put up these numbers where some team is going to give you a real high pick for him. I, like I said, I think it's probably more likely, I think if you get a third for him, that mm-hmm. would be great. But I, I think it would be more likely that you'd end up with a fourth, mm-hmm. maybe a pair of fourths. I don't know, something like that. I don't think you would end up getting a real high pick for him. Although he goes to the Patriots and becomes Super Bowl MVP That's because Belichick knows how to use him. He would That's be exactly what I have been thinking, that he is the kind of guy that Bill Belichick James. is going to say, well, the Cleveland Browns didn't know how to use this guy, yep. and I'm going to find a way to showcase this guy's talents and skills, make him into a slot receiver, uh, give up. Look, he gave up a third-round pick for Danny Shelton. He's a yeah. James White. I mean, he could be a, another James White for them. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? I mean... I I would give up a third round pick for Duke before I give one up for for Danny Shelton. He he was inactive for a number of games, so I I would think that you know a team like that might be willing to go that high. You know I don't know, but if you look at him as a pass catcher, uh, then I think his value goes up. Yeah, you know the big problem Duke faces is. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt complement each other really well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Chubb's a workhorse. Doesn't really, I know I know Freddie loves to tell us that Nick Chubb can catch the football, but we didn't see a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know, in real games mm-hmm. um, this past season. Kareem Hunt is a, obviously a really versatile back, can do a lot of different things. You can have both those guys on the field. So that's that would be what makes mm-hmm. Duke Johnson expendable in this situation. Um, but... You know, going back to what you said about Bill Belichick, it's funny. He'll look at guys and say, this is, or Josh McDaniels too, this is how we're going to use him. We're Mm going to find a way to use him. And it might not be every week, but even Danny Shelton, Mm -hmm. inactive all the way up to the Super Bowl in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden he's in the backfield making plays in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that's, having those pieces is really valuable. And and I wouldn't just move on from a, a talented player like Duke just to do it. And the other thing is, there are other former Duke coaches out there that might realize his value. You've got Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you've got John Filippo, and a number of other coaches that have worked with him that might really like him and, and want him to help their team. So I think there would be interest. All right. Uh, let's move on to another guy, uh, a linebacker, who is uh, obviously a big topic of discussion, Jamie Collins. Uh, makes a lot of money. He's doing a lot of money this year, signed that big extension a couple of years ago. Uh, was kind of seen as a, as a victory for the Browns at the time when they kept Jamie Collins and, oh, how things have changed since then because the question we're going to ask now is, would you bring back Jamie Collins? Well, I would not bring back Jamie Collins at the $10.5 million base salary that he is due uh, next season. I, I just don't think uh, the production at this point warrants that uh he will also be 30 years old in october so pretty early on in the season he'll be turning 30 um so you know i would think that if there was some way that that they could possibly restructure or whatever but i don't even really see that happening i i think that he's probably not long for this team i'm curious to see how the linebacking course shakes out I, I under Steve Wilkes. I'm curious to see if he looks at this linebacking group and really likes it. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if he looks at Joe Schobert and sees maybe a guy that could be his version of, of a Luke Keekley, that really smart middle linebacker, or even, even if that's a position he'd want to upgrade. I'm curious to see what Steve Wilkes really thinks of this linebacking core. And, and also, you know, when he was in Carolina, 
as a defensive coordinator, he played three linebackers a lot. I hope that's not going to be the case here. You know, but is that the approach he's going to take um, when when he's coordinating this defense? So I think there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. That being said, Jamie Collins is really expensive, and, and I think the Browns, the linebacking core, could use some adjustments and some changes. And I, I think Collins would probably be one of those guys that would fall victim to that. Jamie Collins led the Browns in tackles last year. And I think he was second on the team in tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but that contract makes you want so much more. And I think he really took a beating on some plays where the replay showed him having questionable effort. And then all of a sudden that narrative became a thing last mm-hmm. year. And right. that's hard to overcome. I mean, he had a couple of, of good moments after that. I can't remember what game it was where he was running after a play and just it might have been the Ravens where mm-hmm. it was just kind of a an effort where everybody thought that you're a linebacker, you should be diving for a player, you know. Um, so Jamie Collins isn't what everybody wanted him to be. Uh, maybe, like you said, Wilkes will think differently. Maybe he'll see something, a way to use him that that makes him be that guy. But that contract, um, that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if I see... Uh, the Browns wanting to do that. I don't know if I see John Dorsey wanting to do that mm-hmm. when the dead cap money would only be about $2.5 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think that that he would probably be, especially because this was more of a Sashi Brown move. Yeah. Uh, you know, if this was something that John Dorsey did, okay, maybe. Uh, but I just don't know that he's going to want to pay that kind of money for that sort of production for a player who will be 30 years old this year. Yeah, and yeah, I mean the Browns can afford it if if they did want to pay him that much. But I think you're right. I think you have to you have to look at it and say. I mean, you still have to value guys, right? You still have to look at it and say, because this guy's making ten million dollars. Is he living up to that contract? And is that a guy that I that I want to keep on my roster? Um, I'd, I'd be a little surprised if he uh, if he was on this team really a whole lot longer. I think this would be a move that, that we might see uh, sometime in the near future if they decide to make this move. He is currently the sixth highest paid outside linebacker in terms of yearly average with Khalil Mack being first, Von Miller being second. Then you've got Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, and Robert Quinn. So he's being paid by, like, uh, some of these multi, multi pro bowler guys and, you know, big time stars in the NFL. And I, I just, I don't know. I just... Don't know if I see John Dorsey wanting to continue on with that sort of thing. Well, good for him. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Get, get that money while you can when you're when you're in this Absolutely. league. But you know, I also think he's a little miscast too in, in this group with Joe Schobert emerging as that Mike. Um, yeah, I think when Sashi Brown traded for him, they looked at a guy that could cover a little bit out of the backfield, and he hasn't really done that all that well necessarily. He's just not making those big. I feel like for two years we asked Greg Williams, you know, is Jamie Collins making these big game-changing plays? And if you're going to pay a guy that much money, he's got to make big game-changing types of plays. Absolutely, 100%. Okay, so our last one here, we're going to talk about backup quarterback. And we're going to we're gonna add a word to the beginning of this one. We're going to cheat just a little bit. How would you address backup quarterback? As it stands right now, Tyrod Taylor is headed for free agency. Um, Drew Stanton is under contract. So backup quarterback is pretty wide open as to what the Browns might want to do um, in that situation. So how, how do you address this? Do you, do you go sign somebody? Do you make Drew Stanton the guy? Do you draft somebody? There's a lot of options here for this team. 
Well, you know what? John Dorsey comes from the Ron Wolf family, and Ron Wolf's philosophy was always to draft a quarterback every year. So I have to wonder, will they view Drew, Drew Stanton as someone that can step in for them? Does Freddie view him that way? I mean, Freddie's very close with Drew Stanton, so that might change the landscape of the quarterback room a little bit. He might think that, hey, I can get what I need out of Drew. I can win with him if I need to. Uh, you know, do they think that they can go into a season like that and then bring along a young guy that they draft, you know, in the fourth round or the fifth round or something like that? There might be something to be uh, said for that. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and then, of course, they can look on the on the free agent market. You know, I've, I've seen, I think it was Bill Barnwell from ESPN that suggested maybe uh, Todd Munkin would uh, reach back into his bag of magic tricks and, <laughs> and uh, bring... Uh, Fitz Magic here from from Tampa Bay. Uh, he's 36 years old now. You know, does, is he ready to be a backup, or did he play well enough last year that maybe some teams might even think of him as a starter? I'm not really too sure about that. But um, yeah, so those guys uh, are some, and then there's uh, another tier of quarterbacks like the Tom Savages that uh, that could possibly be your backup. So um, I don't know. I, I would think that. Uh, there's any number of ways that you could go, including keeping Drew and drafting a young guy. I can't see them making Drew Stanton the backup. It, it seems like he's just tailor-made to be the mentor who's at the back of the depth chart, um, who's doing most of his work in the, in the quarterback room and on the practice field. I mean, we saw him a little bit in preseason, right, and didn't really set the world on fire. Right. Um, I, you got, I think free agency is the way to go, or trade. I don't think you draft a quarterback and make him the backup to Baker. Um, you know, They're not going to spend a pick on a quarterback, I would think, high enough to make him somebody who could be the backup. You, know, you don't want your sixth or seventh round quarterback to, to be that guy. So I think you know Fitzpatrick, the, there aren't a lot of great names, like you said, out there uh, free agent-wise. Um, you know, if you're trading, you're looking at some of the – some of the people who fit the the mold of, of what the Browns are going to be doing. And, and as Monken said, that they're still trying to figure that out as they go. They're meshing, you know, kitchens and, and Arizona with, you know, with what uh, Monken did in, in Tampa Bay and what, you know, in the Green Bay running game. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot of, a lot of things to figure out there, but I think you got to have a guy with experience, um, experience, not just in the NFL, but experience being a backup who's gone in and done it. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I think this is one of those things that, um, and people can old takes expose me when Baker gets hurt in week two. I just I think this is one of those things that doesn't matter that much. I think you just have to find a guy that can come in and run your system. You know, and, and we talk about Dorsey's history. He had Chase Daniel as his backup uh, all the way through 2016. He had Nick Foles in 2016 before Nick Foles was the the guy that he became in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody's going to pay Nick Foles a lot of money this offseason and maybe regret it because when he gets out of that system, is he going to be a franchise quarterback? I don't know. Um, I, I think if you just have to have a guy, Scott, kind of like you said, that you can trust to come in and run your system for a few games. If that's Drew Stanton, fine. If it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, fine. If you, if you believe you can draft a guy and develop him, that's fine too. I just think the bottom line is, especially in today's NFL when quarterbacks are really protected and, and – Baker doesn't have a history of injuries. I, I, I think it's really a stretch to think you're going to need a backup quarterback to play 
eight games, nine games. And if you do, no matter who your backup quarterback is, you're probably not going to win at the level you wanted to win at to begin with. So, you know, I, I, I'd i be a little uncomfortable if it was Drew Stanton, but at the same time, I think this is going to be one of those topics that we're all going to talk about, and we're doing it right now on this podcast, and it's just going to be kind of, we're waiting around for football to start, and we we got to talk about something, and backup quarterback is one of those things. Well, yeah. while, while we are on the topic, on the topic of backup quarterbacks, I don't see them signing Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I don't see them making a big splash like that or needing to do something like that. I think if Colin Kaepernick gets back in the league, that it will be somebody who is willing to take a chance on him as a starting quarterback, uh, not somebody who's going to come in uh, and, and be a backup. So, uh, you know, s- since that all happened and the settlement went down, you know, I think we would be remiss if we forgot to at least mention him. And we will ask John Dorsey about that at the Combine next week. Yeah, um, and, and I am curious to see how the Browns approach this. Maybe maybe they really think this is serious. Maybe I'm completely misreading this, and I think this is something that's really important for them to do. I am kind of a fan, though, of if there's a guy you like late in the draft, you've got mm-hmm. all these picks on day three, maybe there's a guy you can bring in and yep. kind of bring along behind Baker to mm-hmm. sort of be your backup and Heck, maybe you can flip him for a draft pick in three or four years. There's lots of different things you can do with that position. Now that you have the the real position solved, there's a lot of things you can do behind that position. Right, and there's money involved too, right? I mean, if you draft a guy, if you keep Drew Stanton around and you draft a guy in the uh, fourth or fifth round or whatever, you're just not going to have to pay him that much. So that's another consideration. Are we positive that Tyrod Taylor is gone? You know, he he knows he he can have a job here if, if they wanted him. Is, is he? What's he realistically looking at going forward with another team? I mean, is somebody really going to sign Tyrod Taylor to be their starting quarterback? Yeah, I, I think it depends how a lot. I mean, there's so many different situations out there. I mean, with Jacksonville, what do they do? Are they the team that goes and gets Nick Foles? Um, it, it's really interesting. Um, the whole backup quarterback thing is actually <laughs> it's, it's such a weird position. Brandon Whedon was a backup quarterback for a playoff team this year. Yeah, it's such a weird, a weird thing in the NFL. Sometimes it's really like the guy that's a backup. It's like, all right, that guy's pretty good. Other times it's Brandon Whedon on a playoff team. I don't know if they would bring him back. I would think that he would want, and maybe could possibly get more money than they would be willing to pay him. Uh, I've seen someone pair him with the Ravens where they could just plug and play him after Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really see that happening. I mean, it, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't be completely shocked, but he'd have to come back here at, you know, a, a drastic, drastically reduced amount of money. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably just time for a change for him. Can, can they bring back uh, Super Bowl champion Brian Hoyer to be the backup? <laughs> mm, don't see that happening. <laughs> well, they are getting Ricardo Lewis back. Remember, he was taking emergency snaps when, uh, see, when he there you go. was the there coach. You go. <laughs> Jarvis, Jarvis would love to get yeah. some, some, more, some more throws in as well. He could, he, get o- throw he could get Odell back, and then he could throw to Odell back. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> I can see it now. Jarvis Landry would be the happiest man in that Browns locker room he would. in that case. Okay, so that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, you let us know after you listen all these all your answers to these would yous uh, and uh, yeah lots to talk about we got the combine coming up next week uh, that'll be fun we'll all be there in Indianapolis we'll hear from Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey and from a whole bunch of prospects so uh, 
Expect a daily podcast from Indianapolis next week. Until then, from Mary Kay Cabin, Scott Patsko, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.